Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. Today I have the pleasure of talking with Marilla Scott. She is a speaker, an author, a ghostwriter, and even more. And she's going to share her story with you today in the hopes of inspiring, encouraging, and giving you hope. Hi, Marilla. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Angela. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to hear about all the things that you're doing and to talk about the books you have out and all the things that you have going on and your Oprah's Ambassador of Hope Award. Very excited about that. But before we get to all that, I would love for you to share with our listeners some of your background, perhaps the way you grew up, some of the things that influenced you that led into your adult life. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, like many people, I actually had a lot that occurred in my childhood that influenced who I am today. Mm -hmm. It could have gone one way or the other. It could have been very negative or it could be what it is is very positive. But I grew up in a very uh, volatile environment that had very, very traumatic episodes and abusive episodes of of abuse mm-hmm. at the hands of my father. Mm-hmm. And he was recruited right out of college by both the CIA and IBM. And my mother was just absolutely beautiful and talented in her own way. They seemed like a perfect couple, but behind closed doors, their life was very different. Mm-hmm. And they had um, a total of six children, and I was the only girl. But... You know, it's kind of like when you watch everything transpire and you're, you know, become part of the abusive episodes, it has the ability to break you down or to, you know, make you get stronger. Mm -hmm. And I chose, instead of allowing it to destroy me, I decided, and it's a decision you have to make, to take the lessons from the pain that I came through and turn it into something more powerful and empowering that can help me, and then I learned how to use my past to help others. Mm -hmm. So that's where, you know, my life began. And people don't understand a lot of times that the things that we go through, as traumatic as it may seem, and when people read my first memoir um, in our house, Perception Versus Reality, they're blown away at what I went through. They're like, how did you even make it out of that house? And I said, you know, but that was my challenge in life. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's the only way... I was going to learn and become who I am today, and it worked for me. It didn't feel good at the time, but it worked. So, you know, we have to leave our pain in the past to take the lessons from those situations and use them as fuel to have a better life. That's right. What I talk about. That's right. And I love what you're saying because, of course, that's what we do here at Your Story Matters is we share stories of inspiration and hope based on people having gone through challenges and obstacle and overcoming obstacles to find their purpose, to find themselves sometimes to heal. Can you talk a little bit about some of the ways you coped during those early years? How did you get through those things that, as you said, for some people, you don't make it. You turn into an addict. You do things that could potentially end your life. You end your life. There's so many other options to not surviving abuse and things like that. What are some of the things that helped you get through those years? Well, you know, like many people, I had a lot of pain. It, it was so painful because as a child, it's, it's not a cycle that you're asked to be born into. I was just born into it, so I had to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But I tell people, you know, uh, my way of dealing with it was 
first of all, I used to write all the time. That's why it doesn't mm-hmm. I surprise people that I, I write today for mm-hmm. a living. But writing was therapeutic for me, and I didn't even know that at the time because it didn't really have a um, an attachment. Like, okay, if you write, this can help you do this. You just write. But I had a diary. Then I began to keep a journal. And that's where a lot of the information in my memoir came from, is that I would write it just to get it out of me mm-hmm. to say, wow, this is insane. I can't believe this is happening. And I would write down what dad would say, what mom would say, what happened. And I kept that for years. Mm-hmm. Then when I went off to college, I continued to write. Writing was a, a passion of mine for you know writing poetry because I utilized poetry not in a dark way, but in a very bright way to find some kind of inspiration and stimulus to connect to something beautiful. So poetry helped me do that. So writing was my my focus back then to, mm-hmm. to let go of a lot of pain. But my faith in God is what brought me out of that house and helped me transcend into the individual I am today. Because that was my experience, but it wasn't who I was destined to be. Mm. That's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. And talk a little bit about how this life, the early life, affected your self-esteem, your confidence. What was it that made you different, that made you tell yourself, you know, I can be more, I can do more, I can have more? Because a lot of times people get stuck in these circumstances, and they might be in this circumstance right now today, in an abusive situation, in a hopeless situation, whatever it is, and they just feel like they don't have the confidence, the strength, whatever, to get out. So what was that like for you? How did you tap into that within yourself? You know, Angela, um, it was very, very difficult because I was told for so many years that I was nothing. I was worthless. Mm. I was a woman. I wasn't good for anything but making babies, and no one would ever want me or love me. Mm. And this was from my father. So if you hear these things, not once or twice, but repeatedly, and it's ingrained in you, it's very difficult sometimes to overcome it. But you can. That's the difference. You can. Mm-hmm. I did. And my case and situation that I came through was absolutely horrific. But... Instead of saying, you know what, okay, if you think I'm worthless and I'm useless and I'm hopeless and I'm going to be nothing, I'm going to, I said, no, you know, my life, I'm not here to live like that and to believe that. There's something more. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to go in search of who I really was because I didn't want to be that. I didn't let my father define me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I ran track when I was in high school and I excelled at it. And he always told me I wouldn't be good at that. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that I was doing things that he said that I would fail at, I didn't do it for him. He wasn't even on my radar. He was a non-factor as far as my achievements were, you know, were concerned. Mm-hmm. I did them for me. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to prove to myself that I had value, that mm-hmm. I had, you know, that I loved myself. I had to teach myself how to love myself because I was told that I wasn't lovable. So I really had a tough time with that. But when I began to focus on who do I want to be? When I graduated high school and left his home, I left his reach, I left his grasp, and I had the opportunity to recreate me. Mm. That's what I did. I defined who I wanted to be in life, and that's who I am today. Mm-hmm. It's choice. We all have choices to either remain a victim or to stand up and walk away from that. Sometimes, you know, we're put in the middle of the most painful situations, and it doesn't look like we can get out of it. It it is hopeless. My life was hopeless. Mm -hmm. But again, the operative word here is was. It isn't anymore because I chose not to allow it to remain that way. If you allow yourself to remain a victim, you'll always be living in a a state of despair, state of hopelessness. That's but right. So much more. We're surrounded by inspiration. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and I really believe that any time 
is the right time. Some people think I've been in this situation for 10 years or 20 years or whatever, and I always say you're, it's never too late. It's never too late to turn around the situation, to get out there, to do what you need to do, to find some hope, to have some faith, and to, to move on like you did. Yes. I tell people, do it today. Right. Do it today because tomorrow is not promised to us. There are so many people that don't make it to tomorrow. Absolutely. And you had an opportunity to shape and change your life by your own actions. Don't rely on someone else to take you and embrace you and fix your life. Fix your own life. Mm. Be accountable for it. And take, take pride in the fact that you have one and you're here and want more for yourself. Beginning to understand who you are and, or who you want to be is a big step. It's a very big step. I yes. that I didn't want to be who someone said I was. I wanted to be what I believed I could be, and mm-hmm. that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that. Very empowering. Were there people along the way that helped you during your childhood or your early adult life that were helpful to you, that motivated you, inspired you, encouraged you, anything like that? You know, it's kind of funny because teachers really didn't do anything. When my brothers went to school with, you know, you could tell they were obviously beaten. They were hands off. They didn't say anything, didn't do anything. The principal knew what was going on, but my father was very powerful, so no one really did anything. And as far as encouragement, even the house, high school counselors in school, they were like, okay, well, you want to go into the military. Not as though the military, in my assessment, is a bad thing, but it was the only choice they gave me for anything. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you just need to go away. And so it's kind of like no one really gave me that guidance. I didn't have it. But because I didn't have it, which I hear a lot of people say today, no one guides me, no one's there. That's not true that we don't have any examples or resources mm-hmm. because there are books to read. I, I embedded myself inside books, and through reading, I was inspired. Mm. To, it helped me learn that there's so much more out there than what I was living. Mm-hmm. So it taught me. Books are educational. Knowledge is power. And when you begin to learn things, you'll begin to crave some of the things that your soul is taking in. Mm-hmm. And so as I grew older, I began to surround myself with people that were happy, not like the environment I came out of, but people that wanted to be, you know, had goals, challenges that they had overcome, but they were successful in life. And success doesn't always mean about money. It means successful in their own life because they're satisfied. They're very happy. So I made it a point to stay away from negative people because I had a negative childhood, and that alone began to shape me. Mm -hmm. Whether or not those people knew they were having an effect on me, they were because they were happy. And so being in an environment like that, it worked. It worked for me. Right, right. And I totally agree with that. I think by changing your environment and the people you spend time with and the people you absorb into your life is so critical to your own healing, to your own success, to your own moving on. It's, it's key, definitely. Absolutely. So let's talk more about this self-love thing because a lot of people are talking more and more about that. You have to have self-love. Self-love is the beginning of being able to love others and being healed and being successful. And it sounds easy. You just wake up and say, yes, I love me. You know, I'm good. Here are my qualities. I accept my flaws. But we know it's not easy. So how would you explain to the listeners your journey in that self-love process. What was it like for you? How did you go about it? And where were the markers, if you will, that said, I really am being at this point of accepting me and loving me? Well, I will tell you, that's a great question and very timely, Angela, because today on my Twitter and on Facebook, my quote was that 
when you say I love me, it means you know how to love someone else too. Mm. So begin with you. And mm-hmm. I believe that. That's why I'm always tweeting out things about loving yourself. I actually knew my father didn't love me. I knew he, he hated me. And I understood that. But I knew there was something about me, something that was worthwhile because God wouldn't have created me if there weren't. He mm. created me. Mm-hmm. So that told me right there that not my father or anyone else on this earth could take away that I had value. I may not have had value to my father in that house and growing up, but that's okay. I had it to God. So that's the beginning where I found my love, my self-love, because I said, okay, if God loved me enough to make me, yes, these circumstances that I'm in, they're not, they're not good, but there's something I'm supposed to learn. So I'm going to learn who I am and what I'm supposed to do to find out who I am to become later in life. And it took me a while to work towards it. I'd look in the mirror, and at first, you know, I, rem- I would remember my father's words, is that you're ugly. Mm-hmm. And I saw an ugly girl. And then when people, I would meet guys when I was in college, and they'd say, ah, oh, you're beautiful, I, would, I was so angry. I was like, wow, why would you say that? Why would you lie about that? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, it kind of it stayed with me, and I, and I realized that I had, I was developing a very negative image, self-image of myself. And so... I decided it was just like cut and dry. I'm going to remove that. It took years to do it because I never tried to do it. See, a lot of people don't understand. They don't love themselves because they don't try to love themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of times people say, well, I don't know how. Well, have you ever tried? Mm -hmm. This is how you try. What do you like about yourself? Start there. What do you do well? What do you have to offer other people? What do other people love about you? Mm. What do you offer this world that makes people smile, inspires them? You may not feel it right now, but let's look at what other people see in you that they love and, and begin there. So I knew I made people laugh. I made people smile. I would help people if they needed it. And then I began to say, wow, I do have great characteristics. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what I was told, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty cool I'm pretty okay this is okay and I began building upon that and then I started focusing on things that I loved about you know that I did well instead of things that I didn't do well I focused on the positive and I began to leave the negative further and further behind mm-hmm. and it works because mm-hmm. if you focus on negativity that's all you're going to ever see and if you're around negative people that's all you're going to ever talk about right and so if you remove that from your life you have a better opportunity to see that you have value, to see that you are an individual that has limitless potential to do anything you choose to do. I've mm-hmm. done that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can. Awesome. I love it. And it's very true. And as you said, it takes time. It's a journey. But I believe when we really, really desire something deep down in our heart, it can happen for us. And we just have to stay focused and keep going at it. Absolutely. It's not something people don't understand that you will just wake up, you know, say, okay, you know, I love myself, I'm happy, this is great. But on the flip side of that, why can't you? Mm -hmm. Why don't you start there? Mm -hmm. Go look in the mirror and look at yourself. See, I had to embrace everything about me. I love I love my height, I love my weight, I love my nose, I love my face, I love my body type, I love everything about me. I love my humor, you know, and and I love my passion for things. So I started looking at the things that I actually loved about myself, and boy, that list was long. It Mm. was so long that it blew me away. Awesome. That's beautiful. I love that, and I love making the list because sometimes when we sit down and write it all out, we'll all be amazed and say, wow, that's me. Yeah. She's yeah. awesome. 
Very good. Very good. So let's talk a little bit about forgiveness. I know you've talked about it in your books and you share about that often. What was that really like for you? Because obviously it's quite hurtful and damaging when one of our parents especially treats us badly and puts us down and and just creates this poor self-image and all these things within us. What was that like for you in realizing that part of your healing process was the forgiveness part? Oh, that was a huge part of healing for me because I'll tell you something that people don't consider. There's a couple things that really help you forgive, and a lot of people say, oh, Marilla, I can't forgive this person. You have no idea what they've done. Well, I say, go read my story, and after people read it, they're like, I don't know how you did that. Well, I did, because it was a choice that I made. Mm -hmm. You know, what happens if you have your son or daughter come to you, and you're supposed to be at their baseball game or do something for them, and you break that commitment that you promised that you would do, and they're really upset with you, and then you say, "Um, John, can you forgive me? I am so sorry. And your child looks at you and gives you that unconditional forgiveness. They offer that to you. Mm -hmm. Why is it that we will take it from others, but we are so hypocritical and not wanting to extend it. Let's take it a step further off of that. Forgiveness isn't about the other person. It's about you. Mm -hmm. How do you know that person hasn't even asked for forgiveness? How do you know that that person even realized they ever hurt you or did something? Mm -hmm. And with my father, in his case, he was a victim just like I was, and he repeated what he learned and what he knew. Mm -hmm. So who is to say, when does that cycle stop? Who did it to the last person? There are a lot of people that are out there, and they do things to people, and we, we hold those per- that person to the wall, tooth and nail, but we don't look past beyond the pain that they've caused us and understand that perhaps they were caused that same pain that they afflicted on us. Right. And so if we stop that cycle and offer forgiveness, it doesn't mean we're going to be buddies again, you know, but it means that I'm saying, I forgive you. You no longer hold that power over me to destroy my life, to keep Mm -hmm. me angry, to keep me hurting, to keep me enraged. Because I did all that. I carried that animosity and anger, and I realized it was affecting my life negatively. Mm -hmm. I didn't want that. Who wants that? Right. Forgiveness is about you. And sometimes you need to ask, you know, and and say to yourself, offer yourself forgiveness. There's a lot of people that have things that they've done, and they don't say, I need forgiveness. They don't ask for it. Right. And that makes sense. And I I think that's key what you mentioned about we can forgive other people and it certainly doesn't mean we need to have them in a regular part of our lives or we shouldn't set boundaries. It's There's just so many ways to get around forgiveness and working it out that works best for us. And it always goes back to what is in our heart, what is best for our lives, what helps us to be our best selves. So it is for us and for them in a sense, and it really includes making sure that you set the boundaries and you decide how is this person going to affect my life from here on out now that I've forgiven them, now that I'm out of this situation. It takes a lot of energy not to forgive because in order to to be unwilling to forgive someone, you have to be angry. You have to have animosity and hate. Mm-hmm. It has to be something that you will not let go of. Mm. Who wants to carry that? That's mm-hmm. luggage. That's unnecessary luggage. Mm-hmm. When you get on a plane, the airlines even tax you. They give you two, <laughs> two pieces of luggage that you can take mm-hmm. without penalty. Mm-hmm. So why would you want to carry more? Right. It's not worth it. That's so, true. 
You know, it's kind of like we have to look at what's holding us back. And if you're not willing to forgive someone, sooner or later that will take place and it will filter in other areas of your life. You'll have problems with a coworker. They may do something that, that hurts you or aggravates you, and you can't forgive them. Mm-hmm. And then you have enemies at work. You have friends that, that you can't let go of little things that they've done, and then you lose your friends. Mm-hmm. The same with family members. It filters over in every aspect of your life, and when you turn around, you realize that you lost your relationship. You don't have healthy relationships with your children or anyone else. That's because you held on to too much negativity. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Mm-hmm. It's done. It's called history. It's over. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. So at this point, do you have a relationship with your father, or is that ended for you? Well, unfortunately, I had a relationship with my father, but he's passed on. So under those circumstances, yes, it's, it's ended now. But mm-hmm. we, after I, I went through, um, you know, I went away to school and whatnot, I always had a relationship with my father, mm-hmm. even when I left the home. It was healthier for me to have a relationship with him than it was not to. Mm-hmm. It, wasn't, it wasn't until after I forgave him that it became healthier. Mm-hmm. And he didn't ask for my forgiveness. He didn't mm-hmm. even ask for it. He didn't think that he really had done anything wrong. But the bottom line is that I gave it to him anyways because mm-hmm. it was about me. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, you know, sometimes your parents get older, they don't realize that they raise you the best they know how. Abuse was readily accepted back in that area, which absolutely doesn't make it okay. But he didn't see anything wrong with it, as many people don't. Right. So instead of carrying on to something because they don't understand what they've done or passed on to my life and how that affected me, I forgave him and let it go, and it was it was very, very healthy. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful, and I always love to hear that you were able to resolve some of that within your own heart and mind before his passing, because sometimes that's critical for people to move on and to let go. Well, we forget that people have good and bad. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes yes. there, he had very bad characteristics, as does everyone, and he had very good characteristics. And so a lot of the things that I have in my life that are very strong, good characteristics that people love about me. <laughs> the funny thing is they came from my father and my right. mother. And so the things that they weren't good characteristics, well, I did my best to leave those behind. Right, right. Love that. And that's very true. To, I mean, that's healthy. That's mature to see the good and the bad in it, to know that there was obviously some good in a really bad, bad situation. There was. There always is. A lot of times it's our choice to focus on the negative. And, and I did, you know, for many, many years because that's all I could see. But in hindsight, sometimes you grow up and you understand, well, he tried. He yes. did these things. And when you begin to let go of it, that's when you begin to see that there was some good. There was something that came out of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about stopping the cycle because you mentioned that earlier. And that sounds great, and we all strive. Well, we hope to strive for that if we've been through something horrific, especially during our childhood, and, and we don't want our lives like that. But sometimes people find that they were so ingrained with these ways of communicating, of reacting, of being that it just flows into their life, their married life, their children, their work. How do you really stop the cycle? other than really knowing you don't want it to be like that, what actions can you take? What would you suggest to the listeners who don't want to be like their parents or like the circumstance they just got out of? Well, the funny thing is a lot of people don't even realize they're like their parents because they don't want to admit it. Yes. (laughs) They just don't want to admit it. But as a child, if you think I didn't learn 
everything that my father did to my brothers, my mother and I, that I don't learn, I didn't learn how to do that and be that type of individual. That's a lie. You mm-hmm. absolutely take that in. Why is it that some kids go to school and they're bullies, but the mother and the father say, I don't know where he got it from. Well, they see the, the father bullying the mother or the mother bullying the children or vice versa. It's a learned behavior. They learn it somewhere. And with me, I had to understand that it wasn't until I, I you know, had my son that I was like, wow, I, do, I am not going to throw my child into the cycle that I was born into. Mm-hmm. I had to think forward how much damage was done in my life was I going to let him, you know, experience those same negative thoughts, those same negative words. You can't do this. You can't do that. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. And then the same thing with my beautiful daughter. And so I look at today, even people that see me on Twitter and Facebook, they're like, you have an amazing relationship with your children Mm -hmm. because everything they believe they could do, I told them that when my son came to me, he went to walk on Ohio State football team. Now, keep in mind, he never played football much <laughs> in high school. He was on the team, but I can tell you, he probably was on that field about 10 minutes uh, <laughs> per game. And so, you know, when he said, Mom, you know, I want to go to Ohio State, he excelled in his academics. He had a full athletic academic scholarship, but he wanted to play football. Mm-hmm. But when he told me, and he was always smaller for his age because he was a couple years ahead because he was so smart, but he said, I want to make the team now. The funny thing is, he said, do you think I can make Ohio State's football team? Everyone else said no. Everyone that knew that he wanted to try out, they said, are you kidding me? These kids play for years. They do this. And I looked at my son, and I, without hesitation, I said, absolutely you can. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he said, really, Mom, do you believe that? I said, I absolutely do. I said, said, anything that you want to do, I've always taught you, you can. Go do it. Okay. He walked on the team. There were 160 kids try out. They narrowed it down. And it went to five, then they cut it down to two, and he was one of the two. And so my thing is, you have to believe in yourself. Now, I broke that cycle. My daughter, for all of my book covers, designs, everything I do, she graduates college this May, but she'll be an author, a published author, next week before she graduates college. Why is that? Because she believes she can do anything she wants to when she does. Mm. You see, I was taught that I couldn't do anything. So instead of teaching my children that... I was told I couldn't do anything, so you're not going to be anything, too. I told them the opposite. I was told I wouldn't be anything, and I'm going to tell you right now, you can be. You're going to be. You don't ever believe in somebody telling you something negative because that's what they feel about themselves. Right. So I taught them the opposite of what hurt me. I never wanted them to feel it. And I'm telling you, I have probably two of the most positive, creative individuals you know, as my children, it's a blessing. It's amazing to see that we have a choice to stop that cycle just by our words and actions alone. Yes, yes. I love it. And that is awesome. Truly a blessing. And I think that is key. When people feel like there's just no way to stop this, like you said, I'm like my parents, I'm always going to be this or that. Those are just lies that you keep funneling through your mind. And the reality is every word you speak and every action you take can make a difference and create a different life, not only for you, but for your family. Absolutely. And people around you feel it too. They respond to that. Yes. Yes. Very true. Very true. So in essence, you're helping in that way too and affecting other lives that way. And that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit. I know you have a few books, Surrounded by Inspiration, In Our House, Perception versus Reality, and your newest book, Intuition. Do you want to share a little bit about Intuition? Absolutely. Um, Intuition actually is our first novel. I did it with my daughter. It comes out March 31st. And it is so powerful, Angela. I love this book. Now, in our house, um, 
that was my memoir. It hit number three on Amazon's bestseller and has done amazing things in its own way. But this one is really special to me because I actually, it's, it's inspired by true events. And the way I came to do it with my daughter is that several years ago, I started having problems and I knew physically there was something wrong with me. I kept my intuition kept telling me mm-hmm. there's something wrong. I would go back to the doctors. I made several trips, and I would say, it's right here. I'd point to my head and said, something's in here right here. And the doctors detested it. can't scan. They're like, nope, there's nothing there. You're fine. So it really actually kind of looked like it was all in my head. But I was like, <laughs> nope, it's right there. And I'd go back in another opinion. They couldn't find anything. Ultimately, I went to a doctor. He was one of the best. And I said, I'm telling you, it's right here. And he showed me my film. I had multiple aneurysms in my speech and memory area that no one else can see. But it was my intuition that refused to let me stop, you know, doing what I needed to do. Had I not done that, I most likely wouldn't be here today. Now, with that being said, I have always followed my intuition. Even in our house, my, my first memoir, it shows how intuitive I was as a child to realize what happened to my mother is a horrific storyline that people are just like blown away by. But I intuitively knew that something was wrong. I went to my father repeatedly and he overlooked it. But had he listened to me at the time, it would have spared my mother's life. Clearly mm-hmm. cutting dry. Now, fast forward, my son and my daughter have always seen me being very intuitive in decisions I've made with them. But the outcome later is always revealed for the most part. Sometimes it's not, but for the most part it is. So they're like, wow, Mom, you told us not to do this, and guess what happened? Mm -hmm. And they didn't do it, but they were like, guess what happened the other night? And we didn't go to that party, or we didn't go to that game, or we didn't do this. So when we did the story, after I had my surgery, I had um, a lot of recovery to go through because I couldn't speak, I couldn't read, my short-term memory was was shot. And so it was part of my therapy to get myself, to push myself to fight to get my life back because I, you know, could have remained in that state. And I was like, I didn't want to. I wanted more. I wanted my life back. So afterwards, my daughter said, okay, mommy, I said, I want to write. She said, let's write. And the story, I couldn't connect it the way I wanted to. I couldn't communicate it. But through her love and her working with me, she said, mommy, this is what happened. Let's tell this story. And it began to flow. Mm. And that was the therapy that came through this book and push me to get my health, my speech, my memory, and everything back. And it talks about the intuition. It's real dialogue that she and I have had throughout our life about following it, trusting it, examples. But it's intertwined with a it's a romantic, psychological thriller that will blow you away. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful story that anyone would love. But it will teach you to trust your intuition because it does rise above reason. It's not something you understand, right? but you'll get in a car and you'll find, you know, follow your GPS tracking system. It might even get you lost, but you're going to follow it. Right. Why would you not trust your internal tracking system that was God-given, was placed in us before we were born? Mm, so love it. That's what it is. That sounds amazing. I'm excited to read the book myself. And yes, oh, I think <laughs> that I loved the title anyway, because I feel like that's something a lot of people are missing out on is tapping into their own intuition. People tend to walk around saying, I'm confused, I'm stuck, I don't know what to do, and this is happening and that's happening. And I myself have learned the more I've slowed down and become connected to my inner self and listened to my intuition, my life works. Everything flows. Everything's with ease and grace. And it's just amazing. So I love that you're sharing a a message, not only of something exciting in the storytelling way, but truth. 
truth about our intuition that we all have, and we all have a choice, like you've said, to tap into. You know, it's um, it's powerful, mm-hmm. and it's not something that's special to me. I remember my daughter saying, Mommy, how do I get it? I said, sweetie, you already have it. <laughs> you right. already have it. Right. You just have to tune into it, and sometimes we're so bogged down with yes. negativity and drama and stress that we're not focused on it. Mm-hmm. And so when you remove some of those layers and things from your life, you can tap into what's already there. And when you begin to trust it, oh, my gosh, it has saved you so much pain, negative experiences, everything. Yes. It's just it's amazing. It's yes. amazing. I agree. I agree. So before we share how listeners can connect with you and get a copy of your books and things like that, talk to us about Oprah's Ambassador of Hope Award. Very exciting. What was that all about? What does it mean? Oh, my gosh. That was such an honor because – I had just finished writing in our house, Profession versus Reality, and we put that out, and I was out speaking. I, I speak quite often about the power of intuition, overcoming obstacles and adversity, the power of forgiveness and things like that. But I was honored because of the work that I'm doing teaching people to overcome adversity and how to recognize the indicators of an abuser. Mm-hmm. Everybody has warning signs for what kind of person they are. It's up to us to pay attention to those people before we get into relationships. And if we start tuning in, again, it ties into your intuition, you'll realize that you could have seen what was coming before you decided to commit to that issue. Mm -hmm. So in doing that, you know, they reached out to me and said, look, you know, Oprah wants to make you an ambassador of hope. She has five worldwide, and she selected you to be one of them. What do you say to that? (laughs) It's like, thank you, Oprah. It's amazing. And so I have – it's so amazing because that's inspiring in itself because I was doing this work for a while, but to be recognized on that capacity, on that level – it even pushed me further to keep doing what I'm doing today right. because I know I'm making a difference. I know I'm helping change lives. And I may never see anyone that or meet anyone that I'm doing it with, but, oh, my gosh, the letters and emails I get are tremendous. So mm-hmm. it's like, why stop? If I can reach out to the social media alone and or go out and speak at, a, at an event and t- touch someone's life, inspire them to be better, greater, happier, more motivated, that's who I am. So I believe being Oprah's ambassador of hope is a stepping stone to teaching people to have pure faith. Once you have faith, you won't need hope anymore. You won't need it. Right. That's awesome. And and congratulations. That's such an honor, I know. And and that's the point. You're honoring that role, that purpose that was given to you and, and that just great respect from someone like her and all that that entails and you're really doing something with that and that's just truly amazing and beautiful so how would the listeners connect with you where can they get your books and talk to them about some of the services you offer so they can really know how they will best fit with you okay well thank you i actually do ghostwriting through serif books and serif books they are a full Blown Publishing House, they publish all of my books, which I love because I love the quality of the books. I love um, everything about it. And my daughter is actually the designer who does the book covers for Serif Books. So if they want ghostwriting services or they want me to consult on a project for them, you can go to serifbooks.com and reach out to Jeff there or to me, and we respond. It's amazing. The responses that we get from the quality of work that's done, people love it. And with my work, you can go to marilascott.com, that's M-A-R-A-L-A-S-C-O-T-T.com, and you can find my book, In Our House, Bad to the Bone, Surrounded by Inspiration, and so much more. But Intuition, March 31st, nothing like it. And there's nothing like doing something with your daughter. You know, I, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, so if you want inspiration, you can come there any day, 
log on, you'll find me. Words of inspiration that will make you smile, motivate you, touch your life in some way or something that you may pass along to someone else to help them. Wonderful. Wonderful. Mirella, thank you so much for being on the show today, for sharing a part of your story. Love your passion and energy, and we just always (laughs) appreciate having guests on the show that we know will encourage and inspire others. And certainly by going to your website, they can get even more and connect with you further. And I wish you the best in your future endeavors. Angela, thank you. Thank you for sharing your platform with me to speak to your audience to do so. So thank you.